70 to 90 percent of visits to, to doctors are for stress-related illnesses and we know that for stress-related illnesses we can change our lifestyle we can change our food we can change our exercise we can change do the meditation for the mindfulness to kind of combat some of the stress as you're moving through those things you may find that you get to a point where like things aren't working anymore you're on six different medications you're still suicidal or not losing weight because the weight isn't physical it's like just this psychic energetic heaviness welcome to the mindfulness experience podcast my name is keith fiveson we're an official media partner for the wonderland miami 2023 convention conference and today, I am thrilled to have Dr. Gabrielle Palici as our guest today, and I'm going to call her Dr. Gabby. She's a remarkable university professor of holistic health with more than 3,000 hours of training in various healing modalities. And Dr. Gabby is an accomplished author with a number one Amazon bestseller. All this healing is killing me. Oh, my goodness. She has extensive experience studying indigenous plant medicine and is an active advocate in the psychedelic space. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Gabby about her upcoming panel at the Wonderland Miami 2023 conference and her current and forthcoming books and her work in the psychedelic field. All right, all right, all right. Hey, 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 Dr. Gabby, welcome. <laughs> How are Thanks you? Thanks for that amazing introduction. <laughs> it's so fun to be here with you, Keith. We're going to have a oh, good time together. I hope so. That's what this is all about. <laughs> I mean, you know, really, if we're not having a good time, what's the point? Go especially, home. <laughs> especially in psychedelics, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got, so congratulations. You've got this, uh, panel coming up at wonderland miami that's november the 9th through the 11th and uh i'm very excited for you what topics are you going to cover and why is your topic relevant for today yeah that's a good question well this is my yeah. second round at the wonderland conference i'm a huge fan of this event i literally look forward to it all year it's in my neighborhood in south florida where i live and mm -hmm. we get the best of the best to come mm -hmm. and give talks and throw parties and it's just mm -hmm. a blast so really looking forward to wonderland last year i was on a panel about indigenous medicine and modern technology because i was working oh, in web3 emerging technologies before i transitioned into psychedelics and then oh. this year it's focused on trauma and the impact mm. of trauma on our mm. our mind and body and mm. that it aligns with the book i just published in february all this healing is killing me which is my own story of trauma recovery and the impact that it had on my personal and professional mm -hmm. life so mm. Mm. yeah well you know traumas uh, i i won't say it's one of my favorite topics but you know, I'm uh, I've been in I'm in the field of mindfulness, and certainly I come from a dysfunctional family, and we all I think have trauma. We're born into a traumatic world, whether or not we like it or not, and you know it's implicit, explicit. But how does that you know how does that relate to you know psychedelics, and how does it relate to you know your 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 panel, and what what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. I also find trauma to be a very interesting topic. I used mm. to feel a lot of resistance towards it, but it's become 
such a valuable asset if i can if i can say that it's been something that as i've unpacked trauma i've learned a tremendous about my things about myself and then i've also acquired a lot of gifts to be able to support other people on their healing journey so it really has you know as difficult as trauma is and trauma recovery it's really been um a, a way for me to create more purpose in my life and to support other people who are having difficult experiences um that being said the way that it relates to psychedelic in my own mm. life is that mm -hmm. if you read my book you'll read that i tried every single possible healing modality on the planet in my own journey all the yoga all the meditation all the psychotherapy all the pharmaceuticals uh mm. emdr all the things right i tried mm -hmm. all the things right. and cumulatively yep. they definitely had a lot of impact as you get towards the end of the book you see that i've had i had a lot of breakthrough and was really able to clarify a lot of things and overcome a lot of things. However, even at the conclusion of that part of my journey and that part of my story, there was still more to unravel and purge and heal. I was still, you know, I didn't I still didn't feel that that mm. sense of fullness. Mm -hmm. There was a there was some integration that needed to be done and that's when I serendipitously started working with the plants. Mm -hmm. I studied with the medicine woman in New Mexico mm -hmm. and another one in Guatemala and completed some herbalism and plant medicine trainings. And it was mm -hmm. really in the engagement and mm -hmm. uh, the integration of these of these plant medicines into my life mm -hmm. that I found that sense of wholeness that I was really looking for. Mm -hmm. So for mm -hmm. me, that's how I ended up in psychedelics, um, was just looking for tools for my own physical and mental health. And then once I had that experience, I, I really wanted to share it with others. And, and I started speaking and presenting and working in the industry. Mm, you know, I think that's I, I think that's really wonderfully well said. And I'm so excited for your journey, uh, you know, uh, because so many people, you know, we talk about mindfulness and we tell people, OK, sit down and, you know, breathe, learn how to breathe. You know, a lot of it is on the breath. A lot of it is on you know the somatic area but you know when you're in trauma you know that's not easy you can't do that you know because all your foot wants you don't want to go on the brake you really just want to have your foot on the pedal or you don't even want to put your foot on the gas at all you just want to be left alone so this sounds like a real reboot for you is that what happened uh during your own journey yeah yeah it was a regeneration for me mm -hmm. i really needed to rebuild myself from the inside up because you know as you learn in my story i grew up in a home with domestic violence and addiction mm -hmm. and mental illness and all kinds of terrible things and i carried that with me for a long time had a lot of complex post-traumatic stress disorder type mm -hmm. responses panic attacks all that stuff and mm -hmm. once i sort of cleared out a lot of that uh emotional energy and a lot of dealt with like a lot of those relationships and stuff there was a rebuilding that needed to happen there was a regeneration that needed mm. to happen inside of me and that's where i really feel like i've become integrated and interwoven with nature mm. around me my eco consciousness really expanded i i i felt more present than i've ever felt in my life because mm. one of the trauma responses is always fight or flight you're always mm -hmm. hiding mm -hmm. or escaping or running away or distracting yourself or working too much or eating too much and mm -hmm. i don't have those types of cravings and distractions in my life anymore i can be really present mm -hmm. i can be at peace and that's a new experience for me that a lot of that mm -hmm. i attribute to working with the plants mm -hmm. amen amen to that or or a woman 
you know. I, <laughs> hey, woman, way to go, way to go. So I, I, I really love that and that whole neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, the ability to reconnect and really be present to who you are, mind, body, spirit, the whole nine yards. I love that. So you're so you've written this book as well, and your current book is All This Healing Is Killing Me. Can you uh, talk a little bit more about that? You referred to that. And, you know, there's this dark side of wellness, of the wellness industry. Can you elaborate maybe on some of those issues that you've identified and your approach to, um, you know, really addressing them? Yeah. I think one of the things that I was aware of in mm -hmm. a superficial way or a theoretical way on my own healing journey was the idea of shadow or the idea of soft thought. Uh, was there in my psyche that I wasn't really dealing with, um, but mm. it didn't really manifest and become present in my life until I got into my 40s. And I had repeated patterns so many times that I could no longer blame it on other people. And it was like, oh, I'm doing this. <laughs> Clearly, there's something inside <laughs> of me that's doing this. And, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, that confrontation of my own shadow and really looking at what was lingering there, what needed to be resolved, um, was this a significant part of my own healing and mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. with wellness there's a couple of things that happens I've been working in the wellness industry for two mm -hmm. decades there there's something called spiritual bypass where we use mm -hmm. a lot of these things to just kind of get blissed out you know we breathe a lot and we ayahuasca a lot and mm -hmm. you know we sort of are in mm -hmm. this kind of transcendence and, and some of mm -hmm. that has value and I've used all those tools as well but some of the deeper work um, mm -hmm. is a lot dirtier than that <laughs> it's a lot yeah, messier yeah, than that yeah. you know it's like kind of getting into the guts of things and one of the things i tell people is like you got to get in there but then you also have to create space mm -hmm. for play and for joy mm -hmm. and for pleasure mm -hmm. and these other things my story all this healing is killing me is like just being in this repetitive healing cycle for so long didn't create a lot of space for that joy and for that mm. pleasure you know so i think that there's a balance that we need to have there as we are pursuing you know the self-actualization self and, and self-healing and and things like that yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? Just, you know, the whole aspect of vulnerability that, you know, we uh, can't, like in society, you, you know, this stretch or this race for perfection mm -hmm. when, you know, we're all just human beings uh, having a, you know, or spirits having a human experience. And that's not easy. It's sticky. It's ugly. It's messy. And, you know, it doesn't certainly require a DSM, uh, you know, uh, 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 notation on your record so that you you know can get a specific medication and then all of a sudden you're you're this or you're that or you're whatever so it sounds like you've really uh, kind of uh, given space for looking step what I call taking your hands off the vehicle taking your hands off the wheel and moving away from the vehicle you're given some space to go ahead and take a look at what that vehicle might be and what really needs repair or attention and really how to then really maneuver the vehicle a little bit more clearly is that i i love analogies i'm sorry <laughs> well i love cars i drive a mustang so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. car analogies yeah. are great for me absolutely yeah. i definitely think that there's a lot of um, um exploration that that's happening there one of the things that uh, i want to reflect back to you with regards to to my journey and and 
and how you just described it is that when I approached this initially, I, I was very much in my head about I'm the only person that's having this experience. And I was filled with shame and embarrassment about ever coming out with my story or sharing my story in any way. It was completely mm. terrifying. It took me 15 years to publish the book because I was completely terrified. And one of the gifts of this movement, of the mental health movement and you know all of these things coming into the light and all of the people sharing their stories is mm -hmm. that this is a collective thing that's happening. Collectively, we have trauma, collectively we have healing and collectively we're going through a paradigm shift. And 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 getting my story out into the world and hearing so many people coming to me and being like me too this happened to me too i mm -hmm. resonate with your story and then supporting other people to tell their stories which is what mm -hmm. i'm doing now that whole process has allowed me to relax into this experience like you said of being human okay we're all doing this we're all doing this this is all a mess right. <laughs> and we're right. all in it together right that right. imperfectness and this is not just some psychosis that I have. This is not just some DSM mm -hmm. diagnosis right, that this right, is like right, a thing right, that we're all right, in together, right, you know? Right, right. And some people are acting out on their trauma and some people are right. dying because of right. their trauma. You know, they're 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 imploding and some people are exploding and they're you know bringing their crap to other people and you know we've got to clean it up, you know, just kind of give each other a hug. You know, and wouldn't that be nice if uh, if we were all working with each other rather than working against, you know, each other in some way. So I'm I'm really excited for that, and I'm also excited for your new book. You have this new book, uh, the medicine we've been waiting for, and apparently that takes a provocative look and a stance towards the use of ayahuasca, peyote, magic mushrooms in our society. Can you tell us really what inspired you to write this book and you know, I mean, what kind of insights and revelations did you gain from, you know, the research, the quote unquote research? I, I have a, I have a thing in my uh, a, a sticker that says I am a psychedelic research volunteer. So yeah. <laughs> can I get, can you give me one of those stickers? Yeah, I want yeah, one of those yeah. stickers. So what, so what went on with your research? So <laughs> what, tell me, tell, can you give us a little bit of a preview? Yeah. As to, you know, not, love, not, not the whole Megillah, but just no, a little no, bit. No, no, I love that taste. question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a super nerd. Like, yeah. I'm a super nerd. I uh -huh. well, I see you wear glasses, but, you know, I, I does, that that's good. I like nerds. That's good. <laughs> I'm a so super, super nerd. nerd. And um, this is a continuation of a literature indulgence that I've been doing for my whole career. I wrote my doctoral dissertation about women healers. I interviewed women healers all around the globe that were practicing different kinds of medicine, uh, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, indigenous medicine, energy medicines, and mm -hmm. did a whole literature view of healing throughout cultures and history and things like that. And so it's always been a really significant passion of mine to just understand what is medicine. It's just, it's always been something that keeps mm -hmm. calling me back and, um, I had the opportunity to study with some of these women and to explore mm -hmm. some of this medicine. And it just, it mm. threw me into the rabbit hole of all the books mm. and all the literature and all the stories wow. about, about ceremonies of people throughout time that are shifting their consciousness to tap into spiritualism and the sentience of nature. Like I firmly believe in 
a deep intelligence in nature and that different elements in nature have different kinds of sentience and different kinds of intelligence. And I knew of that kind of in the Carlos Castaneda kind of, mm -hmm. you know, shamanic type story, but I never had a kinesthetic visceral experience mm -hmm. of it until I was working with the plants. And so this second book is really about the story of meeting those kinds mm -hmm. of intelligence, integrating them into my own life, and then the way that it, it, it changed my own consciousness as a result mm -hmm. of exploring that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Were there any uh, specific um, sort of experiences that might stand out that you kind of pointed out in the book? Maybe, uh, you know, um, um, a story, uh, uh, maybe a short, you know, kind of perspective. Yeah. Like give us um, a little bit of insight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all started when I unexpectedly met Peyote in New Mexico. Uh -huh. I was doing volunteer work. I was building homes and I was working on farms during uh -huh. the pandemic. Uh, and I was living on a property and studying with a woman. And uh -huh. I knew she was a master healer and teacher. I knew that she had various degrees in naturopathic medicine and herbalism and acupuncture and all the things, but I had no idea that she was working with plant medicine. And then one day she asked me to prepare these small cacti for ceremony and, mm. you know, peel off the bark and, and take care of them and put, and I like literally didn't even register at first that I, what I was, what I was invited to do. And then she explained mm. to me what it was and then invited me to microdose on it. So I was microdosing on peyote for a few months mm. while preparing it for ceremony and while learning mm. about a gazillion mm. other things. Mm -hmm. And I had this, I had this, um, this activation inside of me of feeling like I was in relationship to something mm. in a way that I had never felt in ingesting anything before like all day every day we're eating some sort of earthly mm -hmm. thing right like we're eating a mm -hmm. banana we're eating a salad we're eating like right. we're eating something right. from right. the right. earth right. right we need right. it like several times a day right. for survival for right. for our vitality our energy right. our breath and i never had that relationship with it like mm. this thing is alive i mm -hmm. never had mm. that connectedness and the peyote mm -hmm. in this in the ceremony and in the microdosing and in the preparation of it all of a sudden it it it, it activated all my senses mm -hmm. and my awareness to the aliveness of things mm -hmm. and this reciprocity of mm -hmm. what they were giving me mm -hmm. and then what i could potentially give in return mm -hmm. in that relationship with mm -hmm. that with that, mm -hmm. that plant and so mm -hmm. i just had and mm. that then just became sort of a ripple effect and, and mm. snowballed into seeking out, well, how do the fungi work and how do the, how does the vine work and how do, you know, like, and, and just spending so much more time listening to the mm. plants around me and appreciating the nature around me and, 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 and feeling just like a new mm. human as a result mm. of, of this mm. opportunity. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. So you know, it's uh, I I often talk about the microcosm as as below, so above, as above, so below, and you know this reciprocity that you're talking about, you know, that you know our thoughts become words, our words become things, and so begets our actions, you know, so begets our lives and our values and our character. So it's beautiful to hear that 
that actually in motion because I always I, I often say that we're verbs, we're not nouns. You know, we're we're verbs, we're living in the world, we're constantly changing, we're emotion, we're in energy in motion, right? And and you know that uh, and and there are seven, eight billion microcosms that have are living their own realities and you know uh projecting it and being hurt and giving love and doing all those things so it's so wonderful to see that you 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 sort of blossomed in that you 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 kind of had that moment and you put this in you put this in the book yeah this is part yeah. of oh yeah. great this is wonderful <laughs> so so you know a lot of people are not familiar with the psychedelic space um you know i'm wondering you know if you were because uh, you know a lot and a lot of people because of the stigma of psychedelics have a, a, a misconception of it and what we're talking about it is entheogens for the most part we haven't talked about the man-made psychedelics we haven't talked about ketamine you know lsd um, mdma and there's a host of other you know chemicals as well that we can kind of go into do you have a perspective around the psychedelics field and the use of the word psychedelics versus plant medicines or entheogens or any any sense of that that you know there's a maybe there's a shift in understanding that it really is more plant medicine versus quote unquote psychedelics or do you just think it's kind of boo-hoo yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I meet a lot of beginners. A lot of beginners ask me a lot of questions. I've always in my career been a bridge between Eastern and Western medicine, between holistic and modern med. Like I've I've always kind of lived in that space in between, and I I I can translate things back and forth pretty well. And I think the most important thing in the conversation is why, like why use these things, and then I'll kind of answer your question about synthetic versus natural the why is the amount of stress and the amount of illness that we're facing collectively right mm -hmm. is it's it's on a scale i think that that we've never seen before and we know that 70 to 90% of of visits to to doctors are for stress related illnesses and we know that for stress-related illnesses, we can change our lifestyle, we can change our food, we can change our exercise, we can change, do the meditations and the mindfulness to kind of combat some of the stresses. But we also know that uh, a lot of this stuff as it goes unaddressed and unresolved, it becomes cumulative, right? And then we start to have all this inflammation and then we start to have chronic pain and then we start to have right. chronic illness, right? Because it was something that you really it need to manage a hundred percent, right? So. As you're moving through those things, you may find that you get to a point where like things aren't working anymore. You're on six different medications, you're still suicidal or you mm -hmm. know, you're going to the gym every day, you're not losing weight because the weight isn't physical. It's like just mm -hmm. this psychic right. energetic heavy cortisol cortisol buildup. Right? Yep. So mm -hmm. so most of the people that end up having a conversation with me are people like that that it's gotten to the point where it's unmanageable and they have been trying it's not that they're not trying but they're not breaking through and that's when plants can be an option and the reason that i think plants could could be a safe option is because what we know about them we know that that psilocybin mushrooms are non-addictive right we know that if you take too much of them they just stop working we know that 
um, the evidence shows that they reduce stress, that they increase positive outlook, that they we, like we have all this information and mm-hmm. and there's so much evidence of how safe safe they are, much safer than right. drinking alcohol. <laughs> Right. Like alcohol, opioids, or SSRIs, yeah, exactly. which you're on for your life. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a path that I take in the conversation <laughs> with people to lead them to something like mushrooms. And the nice thing about mushrooms is you can get a mushroom grow kit for a hundred bucks. <laughs> you can buy some spores. You can grow them at <laughs> home, and then you're good to go. Right. So right. that's usually the path I go with regards to the other kinds of plants mm-hmm. like cannabis and, and ibogaine and, and ayahuasca and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think some hand holding, like having a coach on the front end and mm-hmm. back end or a therapist mm-hmm. or somebody is going to be really essential because you're upping with stakes. You know, there is some addictive qualities for cannabis and there, there is risks around um, your heart health and stuff with ayahuasca. So there's considerations and contraindications and that's mm-hmm. where it's good to, to work with someone as a guide. When we get to the the synthetic side of things, mm-hmm. the best conversation I've ever had with regards to that was with a woman that I met um, at a psychedelic conference who started a mm-hmm. biotech company. And, the, and, and she's a huge advocate for moms on mushrooms and all of these mm-hmm. things. But mm-hmm. what she said was, at the scale that we need these medicines, I don't think that just, you know, people picking mushrooms is going to do it. Like at the scale that we need them for for really that collective transformation that we're all sort of hoping and praying for, having some of these synthetic uh, medications is really going to allow that distribution, especially if it's like something covered by insurance or things like this, where people can actually get access to it. Right. And I felt like her argument was really rational and really heart-centered. It was something that I could resonate with. And myself, the only um, synthetic medicine that I've tried is the ketamine. I did the ketamine Mm -hmm. protocol and I did see benefit. Like I definitely felt the benefits of that. Um, I don't know that I could compare. It's kind of apples and oranges, the plants versus- More disassociative versus a lot more sticky. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. But I do see, I do see where the application could be valuable, how it could mm-hmm. be accessible, how we could have that distribution, and and anything that moves people in a healing direction that's safe and ethical, I think, is a good mm-hmm. thing. So, right, right. Now, I had a I had a patent uh, lawyer on who was really talking about the fact that, you know, uh, a lot of these biotech companies, bi- biopharmaceutical companies, are popping up primarily, changing a chemical here, changing a you know a uh, something in terms of the genetic makeup so that they could go ahead and patent it, right? And they could go ahead and then market it because it's a lot harder to, you know, market plant medicine than it is to go ahead and market a pill. And if the insurance companies and the research is there, they're paying for the research and the opportunity is there. I think most people, I don't know if you saw this Netflix special uh, called Painkillers. You know, it's a great, it's about, you know, uh, 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 it's about Purdue Pharma and the whole opioid uh, epidemic, but I think a lot of people are really they're they're they've got a lot of uh, fear and stigma around that. Oh my goodness, this is just going to be another tobacco or another you know. Uh, and I, I know you were at the psychedelic science uh, convention as I was, uh, and there was you know this uproar. Oh, you're taking all of our natural entheogens and you're putting them all in a pill and you're gonna you're going to do what capitalists do, which is, you know, make money, you know. Um, but I think to your point, there is a, a need for p- 
people to deal with their trauma. Do you have any feedback or reflection on what I just said? Yeah, it's something yeah. that I've thought about a lot. I mean, I, yeah. I, I definitely spend a lot of time thinking about it. Hmm. The reality is that we live in a 21st century capitalistic technological society. Like that's just oh. where we live. I, the last statistic I saw it was something like less than 1% or less than 5% mm -hmm. of the world's population is indigenous at this mm -hmm. point. So like we've just moved into the world that we're in. Like this is mm -hmm. the world that we're in. Right. These are the systems that we live in. And I, I don't see us dismantling all of that anytime soon. I do see us shifting in consciousness and making changes to systems collectively in the same way that we make personal changes to our own life. Maybe we're more conservative in the energy that we use. Maybe we're more likely to recycle, maybe grow our own food, whatever. Like in the same way that we make personal changes, I do see systems being able to shift and change. but this is the world that we live in it just right. it just is and the healthcare system is what's available to people i did telemedicine during the pandemic and right. um the only way people could get access to medicine is through the insurance mm -hmm. through the traditional healthcare system and eventually they ended up at me which was a good place to end up mm -hmm. at but this is what's available to them right. you know and right. i think it's a i think it's kind of a position of privilege and um almost a little bit naive to kind mm -hmm. of demand that we do things a certain way when i know for a fact that like that's just not going to be accessible to the masses because i've worked with them through the healthcare system and mm -hmm. so yeah do we want to have all of the mm -hmm. like the conservation mm -hmm. and and the ceremony and do we want to all be able to go to the amazon and all the right. things yeah. it's, it's a lot just of privilege that's, in that that's today. a lot yeah. of privilege that's a yeah. lot of yeah. that's not yeah. how we're living we go to walmart we yeah. go to target we yeah. go to fast food we order right. things on amazon i mean that's yeah. just the reality of how most of the modern world right you right. know and and the socioeconomic aspects of it are you know not everyone can afford it right and making it more accessible and right. making it more uh, in a community environment so and also you know uh, ssris versus uh psilocybin or mushrooms i mean you know the efficacy rates are much much higher when we start taking a look at uh, psychedelic assisted therapy, you know, 60, 70%, you know, three or four times versus every single day with not, you know, not, not a lot of results. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. So you, you're a, an advocate as well. I, I, and I can see that in our conversation and I know you are, um, as well, you're working with third wave new life and the evolve movements what are these movements about and you know for our listeners how do they align with your values and the values that you know you're trying to bring into the world yeah when i decided that i wanted to work in the industry i started mm -hmm. looking for people that i felt were in alignment right and mm -hmm. and the things that matter to me in this space first and foremost are like educating people like this conversation mm -hmm. that we're having now is going to have tremendous value for people that are mm -hmm. listening and providing as many of those resources as possible for people to uh, educate themselves and uh, systems for people to connect ways for people to talk to each other right not just to listen to us like on a podcast but to talk right. to each other and to mm -hmm. 
you know, gather in circles and in conversations and things like that was really critical to me. Um, and also for people, you know, to have a means to express themselves, like tell their own stories and create their own content and things. So I've been seeking out those types of um, mm -hmm. companies and and mm -hmm. individuals. And so I, you know, I landed in a couple of different places. I've been, I've been working at Third Wave for the last nine months, building their directory of providers and their mm -hmm. online community. And I host a monthly call in there that's free to mm -hmm. join and anybody can come on and they can share stories and they can ask questions right. and things. And that's mm -hmm. been really so valuable for me and for everyone to participate in that. And then uh, mm -hmm. I, I presented a masterclass called writing as medicine in the new life mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. And that's a way to integrate journaling and writing into your therapeutic process. Wonderful. So from a narrative viewpoint to be, yeah, uh, you change your story, you change your life. Yeah, hundred percent. So mm -hmm. had the opportunity to teach that, and and then and I work with people one on one in that capacity as well. And then the Evolve community is an amazing community, and that's an online platform that brings different communities together so that they can, you know, cross collaborate and cross pollinate mm -hmm. and share ideas and. And we have some clients there that are developing different tools to kind of share more content and and create more online courses and, and, and put more information out into the world. So like I've been so blessed to meet so many astonishing people and to find ways to take, you know, my gifts, whatever mm -hmm. that is, whether it's like writing or creating or teaching or facilitating and to channel it into these communities. Mm -hmm. um, it's yeah, it's been such a blessing. Hmm, great. So yeah. here you ha here you have an opportunity. I'm familiar with Third Wave, great organization, yeah. also uh, New Life and uh, of the Evolve movements. But you're really actively involved not only uh, with working with people on a traditional in a, with a traditional model, but then helping them to go ahead and you know put their toe in the water and helping them to go ahead and you know, use or take a dive and, or help them to really understand how to swim, you yeah, know, for sure. so is, isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing? Why do you think it's so important to uh, integrate uh, some of the mainstream medicine with plant medicine and maybe perhaps some of the other forms of healing, like energy healing or other alternative therapy? You know, we're starting to see certainly some of that uh, with some very few organizations, but I just kind of like your perspective on that. Yeah, I just love integration. I used to hate mm -hmm. the idea of integration. <laughs> like I used to have, so I don't know why I used to have so much resistance to the idea of integration. It's change. I don't want to change. I don't want to so change. Weird. Yeah, that I, was, I was fun. Like, Let's go again. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> liked the idea of the initial roller coaster ride of kind of yeah, like, right, you know, having right. an aha or whatever and then just going on with my day. I don't right. know. I, I, I wasn't a big fan of it until. I spent, you know, about two years working with the plants and integrating the lessons from mm -hmm. that, which most of that for me is writing, like writing mm -hmm. is my main integration mm -hmm. tool more so than talking. Mm -hmm. And so until I really until and and one of the things that I saw was that when I wrote it, which mm -hmm. was, you know, part of my process, and then I read it, and then I shared it with others and got their reflection back to me, all of a sudden, all these themes lit mm. up in the narrative and all these mm. insights that I hadn't quite connected those dots mm. and all this mm. kind of, it just like locked everything into a place that I was like, oh, mm. <laughs> integration, you know, all mm -hmm. of a sudden it just made mm -hmm. sense to me why you would spend that time, right. you know, really reflecting and really 
you know, reinforcing whatever the initial insight was so that it becomes part of you. And so I, I think the best, um, the best analogy since, since we like those is, uh, in my yoga training, mm -hmm. uh, we say that it takes 40 days to make a habit. So whenever we start a practice, whether it's pranayama, wait, 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 wait. you say 40 days, 40 days to make a habit. Oh, okay. I say, yeah. I say 21 days oh. and, and then I say three days to break it. Fascinating. Well, in Kundalini Yoga, it's 40. So you do everything in 40. Okay, like kind of, yeah. 40, 40, oh, okay. 40, 40, 40, 40. I, I, I acquiesce. I bow. I bow down. I, 40 I days. I mean, oh, I no, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I'm going to change my pattern. Okay. But if you if you, if you you notice that, like if you pick something yeah. in your life and you do mm -hmm. it for 20 days or 30 days mm -hmm. or 40 days, you notice that you don't have to think about doing it anymore, right? right. It's a habit. So right. I think integration, you could frame it in a similar way is that you take that 20 days or 30 days or 40 days, right, of kind of reinforcing the insight and and mm -hmm. reinforcing those learnings. And, and mm -hmm. now really, it's like something new that you don't have to, you don't have to revisit again, right? You've repatterned, you mentioned mm -hmm. the neuroplasticity, right? That repatterning is there. So now I'm a huge fan. <laughs> right, 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 right. So so back to the mainstream medicine question. Yeah. So when you start taking a look at mainstream medicine, are we really seeing any of that? Because in a lot of cases, you know, mainstream medicine might say, you know, well, what's wrong? Well, I'm depressed, but then they don't ever tell, you know, like dig down to really understand the story around the depression, which is creating the depression because someone's, you know, uh, wife left them or someone's child died or some other issue might have happened but you know they're putting them on medication so mm -hmm. what i hear you talking about is the power of the story the power of reframing the story the power of opening up to what was revealed and then articulating that and owning that in terms of activating it into your life very different than you know taking a pill yeah yeah uh, I'll, the first thing I'll say is that I have a lot of compassion for Western doctors. Their path is not easy. My father was a, a neurologist and a psychiatrist, um, and I have a lot of physicians in my life, and they have so many constraints. They're educated a certain way, and then they're put into a healthcare model that really limits their ability to like spend time with patients or to offer these alternatives, right? And so. Some of my best physician friends, they found a way to move into these other kinds of medicines. But again, because this is cutting edge stuff, a lot of that is private pay, it goes back to privilege and things that we were talking about earlier. I think one of the most effective models that I've seen is when the Western medical phys physicians partner with the health coaches, that was the that was the model that the telemedicine company used where I was working. Mm -hmm. and it was covered by insurance so again mm -hmm. to go back to right. accessibility and availability you can have someone like me that's coaching you while you're getting meds from your physician and then we can be talking about how those meds are affecting you and what lifestyle changes you need to be making and doing mm -hmm. some of those other pieces i really do see that the integration of the two is very effective Mm -hmm. And the the more that we can accommodate that, I think the more because there there is a place for allopathic medicine. There mm -hmm. just is, and there are mm -hmm. contraindications 
you know, for example, you can't be on SSRIs and all these benzos and all these things. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go into ayahuasca ceremony or ibogaine ceremony, like there is all this stuff that you need to navigate, right? And physicians, they don't have the luxury of learning all of these things, mm-hmm. even even right. when it comes to things like nutrition and, and mm-hmm. different kinds of functional medicine, unless they right. kind of continue their study they don't they don't even have access to that either so i have a lot of compassion and i do think there are models that are working and we can continue to move in the direction of those integrative models that are are best serving people right and i i think to your point um you know when you start taking a look at the specialties that have popped up you know there's not a real you know functional medicine is one thing and i think we're seeing more of an integrative approach using functional medicine and you know really understanding that you know gut biome can have a lot to do with your mood uh, you know your ability to sleep your you know there's so much tied up in the gut you know which is a sort of a a very primal uh you know other brain if you will you know that you really consult in a lot of cases over your real brain you know you check your gut what did your gut say i'm not sure <laughs> what does your gut say so on and so forth so i i, I really do uh, appreciate uh, you know but there are a lot of people that are skeptical about you know plant medicine and they're skeptical about psychedelic therapy you know what would you say uh, to those people yeah we've had a 50-year media campaign again yeah. you know like of course, like there, you know, mm-hmm. since the seventies, all we've heard mm-hmm. is war on drugs and yeah, say no to drugs. No. And yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, these are things that require a period of unlearning and, mm-hmm. and, you know, part of this reducing the stigma of mental health and, and people talking about their experiences and people like me, it was, I, I was definitely, um not completely out of the closet you know mm-hmm. from the jump with this stuff because i'm still a professor i still teach part-time at a conservative catholic university mm-hmm. like i still mm-hmm. you never know you never know the backlash that you're going to get you never know how people are going to respond and stuff so i think it just takes these kinds of conversations and this unlearning mm-hmm. over time for mm-hmm for people to to understand it's gonna it's gonna take yeah. a minute we've had 50 yeah. years of <laughs> it's propaganda. gonna take a minute a minute i love that it's gonna, it's gonna take, take a minute, a minute. <laughs> it's gonna take it's gonna take a, a minute yeah we've got and i and it's so true we've got to unlearn it and you know there were there was that period of course where you know from the 70s where we just sort of reclassed a lot of these drugs into you know schedule one drugs and you know, we're just starting to see the rationale come back with over 86,000 research papers and so many universities doing studies, John Hopkins Hospital, you know, being one of the major ones that uh, everyone points to. So uh, that's 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 really good. Um, in your I, I want I know our time's short and I, I feel like I could talk to you for a really long time here, but I, I do want to uh, get to sort of like a, a, a much broader question all right and this is kind of maybe this will maybe this will um, have you tap into your you know your 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 sense of you know spirituality uh, you you're doing work at a catholic university uh, certainly i'm not sure how much you'll tap in over there but just <laughs> in general you know uh what role do you think, uh, in your opinion, we can play in creating a more mindful, holistic, 
and compassionate society. You know, is it just, you know, and I'll, I'll be a little, I'll be a little coy here, a little, you know, chop it up a little bit. It, does it mean that we all have to lace the water coolers with acid? <laughs> you know, do we, do we, <laughs> you know, do we, what, what is it? What, you know, we do, do we all just need a chill pill? What, what is it? You know, how do we, how do we create a more mindful, holistic, and compassionate society? Hmm. <laughs> I've got you. I've got, and I can so see. I, so, so one of the things that shifted so much for yeah. me in my own journey of, of working with the plants and working with psychedelics is I stopped seeing the world as broken mm. and I stopped seeing myself as someone that needed to fix it. And I don't know how or why, and I can't really explain that to you, except that um, I no longer walk around with this sense of urgency of solving and fixing mm. and shifting and changing from my Western academic, you know, brain, I can say like, okay, like here's climate change and here's mental health epidemic and here's applications that we can do and things that we can try. But because I know that now I am a more mindful person, now, now that I know I am the change that I want to see in the world, I just keep inviting people back to the plants again and again, because so much of what happened within me was me just allowing myself to surrender to what was already there. And, and so much of that was facilitated by the plants. So I just keep saying plants, plants. <laughs> like plants, you know, right. but it's just because I didn't have to even fix myself. Mm -hmm. All I had to do was just be in this reciprocity mm -hmm. and be in this relationship. And, and by abiding in that, I am more mindful. I have whole days where my mind is just mindful and it's not like a job that I have to get mm -hmm. up and do mm -hmm. by sitting on the mat. So that's why I just keep inviting people back to this because um it's been the most effective tool that i've used on my journey beautiful beautiful so there's that symbiotic relationship between ourselves and plants and the world itself to maya if you will you know this this mother earth and uh there's this beautiful thing that happens and this beautiful thing that's happened with you in terms of the opening and the awareness and the um the wholeness of uh being okay just who you are just with who you are and you know it sounds uh you know we've used that word before uh love 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 you know loving ourselves allows us to love others to be uh that they're okay and they're they're not broken and they don't need to be fixed yeah yeah and i think that wholeness is contagious i think when you're sitting in a room with somebody yeah. and they're in their own wholeness all of a sudden you start to go oh like this is yeah. available to me. You yeah. start to I just want what they got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. That's beautiful. Well, well, you know, I just really uh, want to thank you, Dr. Gabby, uh, for sharing your insights and your expertise with us today. Your passion for promoting holistic health, psychedelic therapy, and social justice is really truly inspiring. And I'm really looking forward to supporting your future endeavors. Uh, really looking forward to your book. And I'm really also wishing you the best in your upcoming panel. And, uh, you know, uh, how do people find out more about you and where do they go and what do they do? 
Well, the key, the, the, the big question is, are we going to hang out at Wonderland? Ah, okay. All right. I'm, I'm good <laughs> <Yeah>. with that. <laughs> <laughs> they can find me everywhere, all the places. Yeah. I have a website, GabrielPolici.com, and I'm Dr. Gabby Polici on all the social channels. Um, I do free discovery calls. If anybody wants a 15-minute chat with me, you can you can good. book those on my website. Good. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Gabrielle Polici. Uh, so uh, beautiful. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you for joining us on the Mindfulness Experience podcast. And we hope you've gained deeper insights into the healing potential of plant medicine and the power of a holistic approach to wellness. See you on the next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We have other exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. For more mindfulness tips and tricks, visit our website at workmindfulness.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience. This is Keith Fiveson.